It is my joy and privilege to preach the final sermon in our series, Shafts of Light. Bill, Katie, and I have been preaching on the group of accomplished individuals whose faces shine through the Malat Chapel windows upstairs. Dr. Bowen and the church leaders at the time chose heroes they thought the children could idealize and follow. And this 12th sermon highlights a unique window in the series. Pray with me. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture is Psalm 82, a plea for justice. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked, Salah? Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say, you are God's children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. In February of this year, an airplane landed in Ghana carrying the first vaccines from the international COVAX facility. The shots were kept cold, making their way through a series of refrigerated warehouses and then into vehicles and freezers, and then perhaps even solar-powered compact coolers, small enough to fit on the back of a bicycle or a motorcycle. They were cold until they reached the arms of humans. Now, perhaps you, like me, had never heard of this cold chain. And if so, like me, you would not have known that UNICEF for years has led the way in developing this vast global network in order to provide measles, polio, tetanus, and other vital vaccines to over 40% of the world's children. Today's window depicts a version of the UNICEF logo, and instead of well-known 20th century individuals, it illuminates a collection of everyday parents and children representing the diversity of the world. Speaking of windows, have you been to the Art Institute lately? They just recently installed a magnificent Tiffany glass window at the top of the grand staircase. And then while you're there, right next door are the magnificent and photographic quilts of Bisa Butler. And as soon as you walk into that special exhibition gallery, you say that, see the piece called Safety Patrol. And the caption reads this. This piece considers the potential of seven children as future caretakers of the world. The boy in the center stands in front of his classmates wearing a sash signaling his hope and role in helping other children, and his outstretched arms reinforce his duty to lead and to protect. 
and his facial expression registers that he is poised and not afraid of what lies ahead. The artist notes the letters OK on his shirt forecast that the children are prepared for the future and will be all right. And so there was something about that description and the poise of the children in Butler's quilt that echoes when I look at our UNICEF window. Don't the two children in our window have a similar stance and gaze representing their potential to be future caretakers of the world, prepared to face whatever lies ahead? Since its founding, UNICEF has been working to ensure that every child has what they need to survive and, as Butler would say, be all right. Created after World War II under the auspices of the newly formed United Nations to provide food and clothing to children in Europe and in China, the agency emerged as what historian Jennifer Morris describes as the apolitical international effort to provide relief aid for children and mothers throughout the world. In its 75 years of existence, UNICEF has created a better world for children in need. Their website catalogs historical photos that, you know, the kind that both tug at your heart but also fill you with hope. Pictures of children of all races and cultures receiving education, safe drinking water, and shelter. In the United States, the UNICEF Fund raises money from faith partners and from corporations and individuals in order to fund these worldwide efforts. Perhaps you, at one time or another, trick-or-treated for UNICEF? Uh, for uh, many years, UNICEF was the recipient of the children's offering, and I believe that is one of the main reasons why this window is a part of our collection today. The same year this window was installed, in 1993, UNICEF issued the following progress report made since World War II. Infant and child death rates had been cut in half. The number of children starting school went from 50% to 75%, and the number of families with safe drinking water in rural areas rose from just 10% in, during World War II to over 60% by 1993. None of these humanitarian strides nor the cold chain we need today would be possible without international cooperation. And in 1965, UNICEF received the Nobel Peace Prize for the promotion of brotherhood among nations. Even so, United States public support for UNICEF has ebbed and flowed over the years. There were initial hesitations to found the United Nations, and there was reluctance to aid children in communist countries during the Cold War, just to name two examples. And so I tried to do a little bit of digging into this, and I couldn't find approval ratings specific to UNICEF, but Pew Research has a wealth of statistics on the umbrella organization, the United Nations. And it turns out that from the 1990s to now, public perception of the United Nations has remained fairly steady and positive at around 70%, which is great news. What has changed is uh, the positive perception parsed by political party affiliation. There were only five points difference in 1990, 
and that spread has widened to almost 40 points today. You might also be surprised to learn that the most ratified treaty in human history is the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, which outlines 54 principles, including every child's right to life, protection from abuse, the rights to play and rest, the right to have a name. This treaty became international law in 1990, when I imagine these windows were first being planned and discussed. And since then, 196 countries have become a party to this treaty. 196. That's what makes it what some have called the closest thing we have to a universal global law. There is one country, the United States, which has signed it, but not ratified it. No president since 1990 has sent it to the United States Senate for approval. And the reasons that some hesitate to ratify this international treaty are many, and law is certainly not my field, but I understand that there are issues of US sovereignty and states' rights and that it's complex. So I offer all of this to say that while care for children is universally agreed upon, Agreeing upon the ways to do so gets complicated, often quickly, and even polarizing. So given the complexities of the world we live in today, dare I ask, does this window stand up to the test of time as well as the others have? Let's turn to scripture for guidance. The poetry of Psalm 82. It invites us into an imaginary room with a large, heavy table. You know the kind of conference table that, um, with the gravitas befitting the weight of the decisions being made around them? And seated there in stately chairs are people with great power, the kind of power that even a monotheist might describe as godlike. And then God, not any made-up God or almost God or idol or God-like entity, but God's own self sits down and begins to flip through the report laying there. The room grows eerily quiet and God speaks. Unhappy with the report's contents, God makes clear the metrics of success at this council. Justice for the weak and orphan, the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the needy. And God finishes the short speech with a reminder for those around the table saying, and this is my paraphrase, I am God and you are human and you may have some power, but I've been clear with you how to use it and I'm paying attention. And then hearing God's stirring speech, our psalmist, let's say they are the meeting recorder this day, they're so overcome with praise that they can't help but enter an exclamation into the official meeting minutes. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. I'm with the psalmist. Let's lift our voices to proclaim God, ruler of God, the God of justice throughout the arc of scripture, who makes clear that we are to create a world where the orphan and the weak and the lowly and all God's children are all right. And so I'm also with those 
who chose this brilliant window almost 30 years ago, UNICEF makes a global difference in the lives of children, in the most vulnerable, in the poorest children especially. And UNICEF is making a difference in all of our lives. If we are to have any hope of ending this pandemic, not just here but globally, we will need the cold chain. Using the justice metric of Psalm 82, I imagine God would look at UNICEF's report and find some things to be pleased about. So I would like to say thank you to this congregation for filling the children's chapel with images that invite curiosity about individuals who probably aren't covered in elementary school history class. And thank you for illuminating circumstances that create an opportunity to unite around our common work, the work of mercy, justice, and peace. And thank you for this particular UNICEF window where the children will always invite us to follow their gaze into a future where humankind cooperates for the well-being of all. Thanks be to God for these faithful witnesses in our windows, just a wisp of the great cloud of ordinary and extraordinary people who inspire courage and hope. Throughout this sermon series, we've seen these shafts of light illuminate just a portion of God's movement in the world, then and now. In word and in window, we see the Spirit's window moving through the writings of the prophets crying out for justice from Babylon and on the pages written behind secret bookcases and in safe havens posing as libraries. In word and window, we know Christ's healing, not just for the first century people of Galilee, but for the streets of Calcutta and in the remotest African villages, mercy extending like a vast cold chain, saving lives in a pandemic. In word and window, God's voice speaks freedom as people flee across the Red Sea and march from Selma to Montgomery and gather on the village green. God's voice reverberates like a hammer on concrete, tearing down the walls that divide us. In word and window, God looks at us through the eyes of children, the lowly eyes of a newborn infant in a manger the alert gaze of the middle school crossing guard, and the smiling eyes of the children in our neighborhood peering out over their masks, all of them reminding us that God's future is a future filled with hope that we are to help create. Thanks be to God, the creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.